This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to Your In Good Company, an investing podcast striving to disrupt the norms in the finance industry. I'm Maddie and as always, I'm in some very good company with my co-host Sophie. Hey Mads, <laughs> I'm excited for today's episode. Today we are joined with a very special guest, co-founder Gabby Rosenberg of one of the latest fintechs platforms, Blossom. We're chatting to Gab all about her inspiration for founding the platform and how she went from deciding it was a good idea to launching a fully fledged financial product which is kind of insane, don't you think? Like actually creating a fintech business. (laughs) Like how do you do that? Anyway, we'll find out how you do that (laughs) in our chat. But we are going to break down how you can reduce your risk when investing using defensive assets, fixed income and bonds. And we will walk you through the benefits, the need to know before investing and how you can actually add these things to your portfolio. Yeah, I'm so excited for today's episode. I was talking to some friends the other day and I think there is definitely still a bit of a misconception amongst many people that all investing is like gambling. Yeah. Um, and I think people find it really hard to like shake that traditional Wall Street trading floor image with like lots of guys taking big risks and yelling at each other. Yeah, well, it's because it's in on like media. That's like all we see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's actually such a funny ad that I've seen recently, the new superhero one. Have you seen it? No. And it's like you don't need to wear a suit to trade and it's a guy just like walking into the trading, <laughs> like the crazy trading office and he's just in like, you know, his, I don't know, whatever he's wearing, just his normal clothes. And I'm like, yeah. You don't need a suit to trade. (laughs) I think my favorite comparison actually was when Rachel from Superhero talked about the risks and the short-term volatility of the stock market because we know that day-to-day company share prices do go up and down, like depending on the news or the markets that day. But then she compared that to when you own property and you don't have someone dropping by every day to be like, today your property's value has increased or decreased. So it's like you only see the difference when you sell. And I thought that was such a good point because we get so caught up in like the day-to-day volatility of the stock market. And it's like the property market could be just as risky. The only thing with the property market is you get realtors like calling you being like, hey, by the way, a property sold in your area for this month. Do you want to sell? Do they do that? That's yeah. so mean. Yeah, <laughs> Or maybe it's good, I don't know. <laughs> but at the end of the day, there are many different things you can do to invest and there's many different things you can invest in. Some are considered quite volatile, aka crypto, and some are considered <laughs> relatively safe, aka potentially bonds, defensive assets. Um, and one way you can reduce your risk is just by adding what's called these defensive assets to your investing portfolio. But before we start today's episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wondry people of the Kula Nation, who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders past and present and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. 
So as we mentioned, today we have Gabby on the show. Gabby is the co-founder of Blossom, an app designed to empower millennials to do more with their money by providing its customers with access to fixed income investments. Within just eight weeks of launching, Blossom has blown it out of the park, boasting an incredible 7.3 million funds under management. That is 7.3 million in eight weeks. (laughs) Positioning itself as somewhere between investing in stocks and ETFs and having a savings account, Blossom is making investing in bonds accessible. I could think of no better person to take us through this topic today. So welcome, Gab. Thank you for having me. Gab, we're so excited to be chatting with you today, especially we haven't really touched on the topic of fixed income and bonds before. So we're going to be excited to jump into that and learn about it. But we'll first start with a couple of questions to get to know you. Firstly, if you have one, what is your morning routine? I do have a morning routine. It often involves exercise, so I will wake up, go for a run, definitely start my run with a podcast, and get ready for work, make a coffee, and try my hardest not to touch my phone except for turning off my alarm, putting on my podcast until I start working. Nice. Do you have a favorite podcast? (laughs) Um, It's this one called You're in Good Company. I don't know if you've heard of it. Nice. Rings a bell. So Gab, who or what influenced you to invest? So I'm one of four children in my family and we're all girls and we're also actually two sets of twins. Oh, wow. That's always like <laughs> my, my fun party trick, like icebreaker, tell us something cool about yourself. It's like, wow. That's really cool. <laughs> it is. It's lots of fun at home. So I have a twin sister and my older sisters are also twins. Um, and my dad has always looked after the family finances and invested on our behalf. Um, he's a stockbroker, so mostly it's in Aussie stocks and shares. Um, and I have full trust and faith in him. So I was never very concerned about my own investing journey. Um, but my older sister, she took her personal finances somewhat into her own hands. So she invests in stocks and crypto and even makes early stage investments in startups that she really believes in. So watching her move through this investing journey and educating herself and making trades and then discussing all of this with my dad was probably the biggest influence for me. And it was always, well, if Ali's taking her financial freedom into her own hands then it's probably something that I should do as well. So started with my dad, but definitely ended with my sister. It's always the case, isn't it? Like following the older sister. I have an older sister as well. And I, my nickname when I was younger was me too. Cause anything <laughs> that she did, I would say me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> always got a copy. And Gav, our last question, if you could be a stock or a company, who would you be and why? Definitely Nike. Mm. I'm a little bit sport obsessed. So for me, it's a no brainer. Um, and I think it's more than that because what they've been able to achieve as a branding exercise is just the gold standard. And I love the ethos where they say, if you have a body, then you're an athlete. And then if you have a body, you're also human. And I think you can see that in their advertising and their messaging. And one of the ads that I watched throughout the Olympics recently, they touched on female empowerment and women in sport and Islamophobia and gay rights. And then there was a woman breastfeeding her child while in the soccer pitch. And I'm not a crier, but I swear <laughs> I was almost in tears. And I just think 
what they do and what they achieve through their messaging and their marketing is just unbelievable. I don't know what it is about the Olympics, but I feel like over the last couple of weeks, I've been an emotional wreck. I'm like every, every time and like there's an Aussie athlete on, I'm in tears. It's like, I'm so proud. I don't know what is going on. The patronism is yeah. coming out. <laughs> So, Gab, we want to get into a game with you to get started and to get warmed up. So we are going to play a game of Would You Rather, um, and we're going to try and use it to sort of suss out your risk profile a little bit this morning. So I'll kick start. Um, The first one is you are going to your favorite restaurant. So would you rather order the same thing from the menu each time, or would you rather roll the dice and try something new? roll the dice and try something new. I'm, I'm quite adventurous with my food. Nice. Oh, risky. <laughs> risky. Second one, would you rather walk the same route to work every day or try new streets? New streets. Mm, new oh, streets. Risky again. <laughs> All right. I think <laughs> I don't know if this is going to match my risk yeah. profile down the line. What do you mean? This test is flawless. Yeah. <laughs> what about feel like this is a good one would you rather go to the same coffee shop that you know has the coffee you like each day or try a new cafe each time you go oh oh this is hard (laughs) i really really like a good coffee but also the adventurous woman in me might want to try something new (laughs) no i think i'm going with the same coffee if i know (laughs) i think you'd be a crazy person if you want to try somewhere new to be honest honestly (laughs) (laughs) okay would you rather have your whole holiday booked or book a mystery flight where you didn't know where you'll end up oh that is such a hard question. <laughs> I, I want the holiday books. I'm like an absolute planner. I need to make the most of every single opportunity yeah. and every single minute. So I'll probably plan the trip to a T, want to know where I'm going, what to pack. I would agree with that. Nice. <laughs> and last yeah, one. The outfits is important. Yeah. <laughs> and like, what happens if it's winter at home and then you get a winter holiday and you're like, that's True. not at all what I want. No point. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, final one, um, and I like this one. Would you rather walk away from this conversation with $1,000 or flip a coin to see if you could win 5K? Flip a coin. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Cool. See, okay, after this test, I would say that you're, you've got a bit of a risky profile, but I guess it was all to do with, like, food yeah. and travel <laughs> rather than your actually not a flawless your investment, investment <laughs> test. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I'm, I try and live life to the fullest and I want to take risks when it comes to anything except my money. Yeah. Okay. So Mm -hmm. if we actually kind of pull it back though, to your investment profile, what do you think your risk profile looks like? I think it is chasing lower risk investments um, and being patient and not chasing anything for the short term that has the potential to generate really high returns, but also could completely flop. Nice. Well, we mentioned in the intro that you are a co-founder of a new platform that is providing everyday people like us with access to fixed income investments, which is super exciting. We're going to get into what fixed income is in just a moment, but really keen to hear first, can you share with us, like, how did you come to found a business? So I finished uni and I had no idea what I wanted to do, um, but I knew I wasn't fit for a corporate role. It just wasn't something that interested me. 
Um, so after uni and even throughout uni as well, I went straight into tech startups and I found that it was a really interesting space because you could pair tech with whatever your passion was, whether that was in pets or whether that was in sport or whether that was in cars, it didn't matter what it was. It just made it so easy to make work your passion. So I was at a previous role in a tech startup, which was in the automotive industry. And it was when COVID hit and we actually all got stuck at home. And I just found myself with some more time on my hands and I wanted to get on top of my personal finances with some help of my older sister and my dad. And they always help with inspiration and new ideas. And so they started telling me about fixed income for the first time. And as I said before, I'm a little bit lower. I have my risk profile is lower with when it comes to my funds. And so it was something that absolutely met what I was looking for. And I went and did some research and found that the minimum investments for some of these fixed income products were anywhere between 20K and 200K. And I also needed to say goodbye to my money for between three to six months when making those investments, which was absolutely something that I wasn't going to be able to afford at the time. So I said a very quick thank you, but no thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But I did want to have access to these opportunities because it was something that I thought was perfect for me and where I was at at that time. And I wanted to try and figure out a way that we could open up access to this space for someone exactly like me. And at a similar time to me going through this kind of realization and investigating fixed income a little bit more, I was um, undergoing and participating in the Startmate Fellowship. And that is basically a two-month female-only program, um, and it introduces ambitious women to all different types of opportunities within the Australian startup ecosystem. And we were hearing from some really cool founders like Kate Morris, who founded Adore Beauty. And she was so candid and inspiring about sharing her story. And basically her key message was just take the leap. You never know where this journey might take you. So I listened and I took the leap and and it's almost been a year to the day. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting story. I think sometimes as well, you just need a little bit of a push from someone who started a business before to kind of get you down the, the right track. Now, we want to kind of get get into a little bit about, you know, what is fixed income? We've spoken, you've mentioned the term. Now this is considered a defensive asset class and is one that we can add to our portfolio to help diversify and manage our risk. But what are defensive assets? So defensive assets are assets that are usually less volatile and they're more stable. So you're less likely to lose money and the return on investment will be likely lower, but over a longer period of time. So examples can include bonds or cash, which I'm sure we'll get to later. And then on the opposite side, you have a growth asset to provide some context, which have a higher expected return and the risk of losing money is higher, especially over the shorter term. So common examples of that would be shares or or property. So we've mentioned fixed income. So that is sort of what's considered to be a defensive asset class. um, And it's one that we can sort of add to our portfolio to help diversify and manage our risk. So can you just clarify for us what is fixed income? Absolutely. So it is a defensive asset class, as you mentioned, and it's a type of investment that pays investors a fixed return until its maturity date. And a maturity date just means until the investment period is over. 
So with shares, as to provide more context as an opposite example, um, these are performance-based. So your return actually depends on, on how well the company you've invested in performs. So for example, you might have shares in Apple that one year pay you 7% or the next year pay you 8% and then the next year pays you 2% because it just depends on how well the company's performing. But with fixed income, your returns are fixed. So for example, for five years, you might receive a fixed interest rate of 5%. So after year one, you receive 5%. After year two, you also receive 5% and so on. Um, and then at the end of the five years, you get all your money back that you originally invested, but you also get to keep all the interest that you received over those five years. Nice. So I want to step it back a little bit and sort of think bigger picture. So when you were reflecting on your own sort of risk profile and you wanted to maybe get be able to get access to fixed income, you know, you said that you went to this event and heard from Kate from Adore Beauty and it really inspired you. How did you actually go from like having an idea to literally setting up this fund for fixed income? Because like it's a pretty huge thing and it's doing amazingly so far. So I would love to hear the story of like how you actually got there. So to begin with, it was a fortune of decision-making and we needed to answer some, some really large questions. So one, as you mentioned, we have the underlying fixed income fund, which is called the Blossom Fund, but I'm not a fund manager. So I wasn't going to be the person that was going to manage all the money and manage all the underlying investments. So a big part of starting was choosing who we trust enough to be our fund manager. So we spoke to lots of different companies and we ended up finding a company called Fort Lake Asset Management. And why we were so excited about Fort Lake is because the fund managers had 18 years of fixed income um, experience. They worked at some really amazing places previously, for example, UBS and the Reserve Bank of Australia. And we identified with them the risks that we wanted to take with the fund. We wanted it to be lower in risk to something like a share or an ETF. And so we worked with them very closely to create this Blossom Fund and figure out how we can remove as many restrictions as possible um, from common restrictions in the fixed income market, like high fees or high investments. It's such a cool story about, so were you just like wandering into the offices of these, <laughs> of these managers or how, like, how were you sort of getting in touch with them and were you pitching the idea? So we um, use a service provider for a lot of our tax and legal and compliance. And that service provider had a pre-existing relationship with the fund managers. So we understood that we needed to get our licensing from somewhere and our licenses had this relationship already with Fort Lake. So absolutely, we went and we pitched the idea and said, how amazing would it be to provide fixed income opportunities to a new demographic for the first time? So that demographic is millennials because traditionally in the fixed income space, um, it's been reserved for institutions or high net worth individuals. So people that have more than $250,000 to spend or, or $2 million in net assets. And we said, why shouldn't fixed income be made accessible and to provide these opportunities to millennials? And the answer from them is because traditionally it's an unaddressable market. It's because it's too expensive for a fund manager to go and chase a really high volume of customers, but with really low average balances. It's much cheaper for them to pay one person to go and find five clients who want to spend $2 million each. 
So we pitched the idea saying we're going to provide a tech solution to all these costly problems and so that we can open up fixed income to millennials for the first time because it's really something that everyone should have a little bit of at least in their portfolio. Were you nervous when you walked in there to pitch that idea? I was nervous, of course, (laughs) but I have a whole heap of support around me from sister and dad and first cousin, who's my co-founder. So I was feeling quite prepared and quite confident. How did they react? Were they positive about the idea? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think you're taking all these manual processes that a fund manager would normally undertake and you're providing tech solutions to all of them. And so I think We've seen previously the crypto market being democratized and um, shares being democratized, ETFs being democratized. So why couldn't we do the same thing for fixed income? And when you're pitching this idea to people that already are super passionate about fixed income, for them being able to provide it to new demographics for the first time is a no-brainer. Yeah, and I think it's exciting that you actually have created access for millennials because we're going to jump into a couple of examples of fixed income now, such as bonds. And when people hear of bonds, they think that's quite inaccessible, but it is. It is accessible through certain platforms and certain ways such as Blossom. So can you explain to us what are bonds? So bonds, as you mentioned, are common types of fixed income products. And a bond is effectively a way for a company or a government to borrow money from investors. And then in return, the investors are paid interest on the money that they've loaned. So to illustrate this with an easy example, Maddie and Soph, let's say that you guys are the Australian government and you want to build a brand new stadium for the Matildas. So the Matildas yes, is the I love Australian this example. <laughs> football team where absolutely it's the Olympics are staying on brand and, and go you guys for investing in women's sport. In any case, I, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> so, so Maddie and Sophie, you've decided to issue bonds to help raise money for the stadium that you want to build. And then you're going to use me as your investor. So you're issuing me a bond of a thousand dollars which you promised to pay me back in full after five years. So to make the bond attractive, Maddie and Soph, you're going to also, on top of that, pay an interest rate of 5% every year. So that's $50 each year, which is just 5% on my $1,000 investment. And once the bond reaches maturity, which just means that the investment period has ended, so after the five years that we agreed to, I'll receive my full $1,000 back, but I also get to keep all the interest from the five years as well, which is ending in $250. So at the end of the day, everyone's happy because Maddie and Soph, as the Oz government, you've got the money that you needed to build the Matildas, their stadium. But also I, as the investor, I received regular interest payments and I got my full $1,000 back anyway. So that's kind of why bonds are often viewed as more predictable and stable And it's why that it's super common for companies or governments to issue bonds to fund new projects or ongoing expenses. So in layman's terms, it's kind of like you're loaning money to a business or a government. Exactly. Easy. Done. (laughs) Episode over. (laughs) No, sorry. (laughs) So you gave the example of, I guess, sort of government bonds there, but we also have corporate bonds. So what's sort of the difference or can you give us a bit of an outline of like the different types of bonds um, that we can have? 
Absolutely. There are, there are many different types of bonds. Um, one that we touched on in the Matilda's example is a government bond, um, but there are also corporate bonds. So instead of the government issuing a bond, it's a company issuing a bond. So let's say that Maddie and Sophie stop being the government and you start being a company like Coca-Cola, for example. So this would become a corporate bond where you're raising money to finance your business activities, what, whatever that may be. So it might be you need to uh, buy a new bottling plant in Melbourne or purchase a new warehouse. Right. So we're moving up in the world. We're going government, Coca-Cola. What next for us? <laughs> yeah, would you rather? What would you rather yeah. be Coca-Cola yeah. the government? Can I be Coca-Cola but giving money to the Matildas? <laughs> nice. Now, Gab, how can bonds help us when we're building our investment portfolio? What are the, I guess, the main benefits? So you can, well, bonds can be really good for diversifying your portfolio. Um, and diversification just means instead of putting all your eggs in one basket, you've got eggs in multiple baskets. So, for example, instead of having all your investments in shares, you can leave some in shares, you can leave some in bonds, um, you can leave some in other fixed income assets like cash, and it will just help you ride the ebbs and flows of the economy. Yeah, I mean, I think historically, like, um, bonds have earned more sort of stable returns in stocks, so they are more predictable. But, you know, I think boring is really beautiful in that sense. And like, it gives you, <laughs> it gives you like the ability to sort of build your portfolio to really match your risk profile. So, you know, you talked about not like your risk profile, um, you're a bit more risk averse, which is why you sort of really wanted to look into the bonds area. But I think if you have like a shorter time horizon, then a, like a larger weighting towards bonds is a really great way to sort of match that. Also, like we often talk about um, as you get closer to retirement, like shifting sort of the makeup of your portfolio and having more defensive assets in there. So I think it like it's great because it really gives you sort of some flexibility with your investments. I did want to ask, so we kind of talk about bonds as like a bit of a loan. So thinking about the risks, what, like, do they have to pay your money back and what happens if they don't? <laughs> Great question. They, they do have to pay your money back because they've actually entered into a contract with you. But if the company becomes insolvent or bankrupt or just mean they, they go under, then there is risk that you won't get your money back. And that's called credit risk. So with bonds specifically, there's actually research houses who provide risk ratings for bonds. So it just makes it easier for me as an investor to understand which bonds have higher risk and which bonds have lower risk before I make any investment decision. And it actually becomes quite simple because the higher the bond rating, the more likely I am to receive my interest payments and also my initial $1,000, for example, after the five years that was my initial investment. So the highest rated bonds are A, double A, triple A, and triple B. And these are bucketed into something that's called investment grade. And it just means they're the highest rating of bond and they have a low risk of default. So you can, I guess you can think of it like an exam where A, double A, or triple A is a really good mark. And an interesting fact is that never in Australian history has an investment grade bond gone into default. Oh. And you've had an investor where you, they haven't received their interest 
and they haven't received their principal after the period of maturity. So it's amazing in Australia that we have that fact. Yeah, that is a good one because it kind of means that you've got these guaranteed interest payments. But I wanted to know if a company goes broke, what's the difference between being a bondholder and an equity holder, equity holder being buying shares or holding shares? So when a company um, becomes bankrupt, bondholders have priority over shareholders. So when a company's assets are liquidated, which just means that everything they still own is sold, um, the money goes towards paying off the company's debt, um, which includes repaying bondholders. So if there's any money left over after all the company's debt has been paid, only then some of the shareholders might receive some of their money back as well. And this is one of the reasons why shares are considered to be much riskier than bonds are. So you mentioned maturity before, and that's sort of like the, I guess, investment time horizon that you're lending your money for. So I am interested to know, let's say I bought a bond and it has like a four-year maturity. I, I won't be getting the money that I lent back in in total for four years. If I decide that I don't want to wait until the end of that four years, if I want the money now, what can I do? You can sell a bond anytime there's someone that wants to buy it. Um, emphasis on the fact that you do need someone who wants to buy it. Um, but a lot of people will hold off until the maturity date. Um, there isn't a penalty for not doing this, but there can be costs involved. So an example of a cost is loss on your principal. So before you make an investment, as we discussed previously, you have already agreed what you're getting back at the end of the period. So with the Matilda's example, I was giving Maddie and Sophie $1,000. After five years, I was going to get the $1,000 back plus my interest. But if you sell the bond early, getting your $1,000 back might not be guaranteed. And between the time a bond is issued and the day it matures, the price is affected by other market factors. So interest rates, as an example, they do affect how a bond trades. So when interest rates rise, bond prices can fall. But if you hang on until maturity, you'll get your $1,000 back in most cases. But if you sell a bond early, someone might only want to buy your bond for $900 or $800 because the market's changed since you agreed to that investment. And if no one wants to buy it from you, your bond, you're in a little bit of trouble because you might have your funds tied up for five years and you have to wait until you find a buyer and you might need access to that money. So it becomes a little bit difficult for you. Right. So it seems like you can still get out of holding a bond, um, but obviously there are some risks that entail with that. So when you are looking at buying at bonds, you should really look at the, be looking at the maturity date and making sure that you kind of want to be putting the money away for that period of time. Exactly. We are just going to take a quick ad break and we'll be right back to keep chatting with Gav. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So, Gab, one thing that seems to be all over the news at the moment is whether or not inflation is coming. So I am interested to know, how does inflation sort of impact the bonds market? And is there anything that we should be keeping in mind if we are considering investing in bonds? As we know, inflation is a rise in prices. And when inflation rises, interest rates also tend to rise. And when interest rates rise, bonds tend to fall and they usually work in opposite ways. So most of the time there's two scenarios. And scenario one is that when interest rates rise, the market value of bonds will usually fall. So if you have a bond that's paying 3% per year and interest rates increase from, let's say, 3% to 4% in that year, your bond becomes less attractive. And the only reason for that is because you can keep your money in the bank earning that 4%. You don't need to buy a bond to do that anymore. So investors are less willing to pay for it. And therefore, there's less demand, and so the price will fall. So with scenario one, this is how inflation would affect your bond prices. And then with scenario two, when interest rates drop, the market value of the bond will usually rise. So if you have a bond that's paying 3% per year and interest rates decrease from 3% to 2%, your bond is now more attractive because you can't keep your money in the bank earning 3% anymore and you do now need to buy a bond to chase those higher returns. So investors become willing to pay for it and therefore there's more demand and the price will increase. So that's a, a little bit of an explanation about how inflation might affect your, the prices of your bond. I cannot stop smiling right now because I went to uni for four years doing finance and no one has ever explained bonds to me as simply as that before. <laughs> I'm so glad to be of assistance. <laughs> So is that kind of what we saw like during the COVID period, I guess, you know, a lot of our interest rates were dropping um, and that means people were kind of taking their money out of the bank and putting them into investments. Exactly. And an easy way to think about it as well is because sometimes interest rates can be confusing and how does it affect me as a person? But if you know what you're earning in the bank, which at the moment I know I'm earning, I think it's 0.3% <laughs> in my account. Yeah, <laughs> that's <about> right. <laughs> you can usually think about that and say, okay, I know that that's a low interest rate, which means that the bond market is probably rising and probably doing quite well. And it's somewhere that I can investigate to chase returns that are a little bit higher. So if I want to chase those returns and I've decided that I do want to invest in fixed income, what are my options for getting exposure to fixed income? You have a few options. One of them is fixed income ETFs, which is a fixed income exchange traded fund. And what that is, is it's effectively like a fund of bonds. So it's a fund composed of all different types of bonds that are listed on the stock exchange and they're traded throughout the day. And this helps you diversify your portfolio again, because instead of having only one bond investment, you have a whole fund of different bonds and it helps you manage and spread that risk. You can also have what's called a listed investment trust, which is a little bit more complicated and it's an investment listed on an exchange such as our ASX, but it's incorporated as a trust. So they will also 
invest in bonds for you. So it's not something you'd need to manage yourself. But this one is owned by the shareholders, whereas an ETF, fixed income ETF, is externally managed. Another way is through your super. And a lot of people may not be so in tune with what their super is investing in, but likely it's a little bit of fixed income assets. So if you have a balanced or a defensive super portfolio, chances are you do have a large proportion of fixed income. So cash or bonds or other fixed income assets. But if your super is more aggressive, you'll probably have a higher proportion of shares or property. Um, and then finally, what we're offering at Blossom, which is another easy way to access fixed income investments, is it's we're providing access to a fund, which is called the Blossom Fund. So first and foremost, we're an app that helps you target 3% returns for millennials per annum. Um, and as we've discussed, it's difficult for millennials to access the fixed income market. So through our app, we provide access to a fixed income fund called the Blossom Fund, and the investing is effectively done completely for you. So we were discussing bond ratings before, and the average rating of our bond portfolio is A-rated, which is investment grade. So it means that there's a good likelihood that you will be able to receive your repayments in a timely manner. And it's also a diversified portfolio of fixed income investments. So it includes bonds and it includes cash and all the fun stuff that we've been discussing. And why Blossom is different to some of the other options that I mentioned is because we're app-based, so you can get started in about three minutes. Um, we have no minimum investment amount, so you can fund your account with $1 or $10 or $5, whatever you have to start with. We don't charge account fees, and we're also making withdrawals as easy as possible. Um, and one thing that I'll add as well is instead of receiving your earnings twice a year or once a month, like you normally would with bond repayments, um, we actually post earnings every single day. So you can see your, your money blossom daily. I think that's so cool. It really has become such an accessible way for millennials to access these markets. We spoke before about how it kind of traditionally has been an area that people can't access because of, you know, really high fee, lim fee limits or fund limits. Um, so I think that's awesome. And I think as well, people that are putting their money into investing for the first time, they do want to be seeing how their money is growing. Um, so being able to see it on a daily basis is um, something that I think would excite a lot of people. Your, your daily dose of dopamine. Jump into the app. <laughs> See Even though we say don't check it. <laughs> exactly. Our motto is don't check your returns, but <laughs> we tend to. But when they're blossoming, I mean. <laughs> Gab, I did just want to clarify. I'm really interested. So you said that you sort of target 3% returns, and we know that with fixed income, like it is a fixed return if you sort of invest directly. So is it like how guaranteed is that 3%? So we don't actually have a government guarantee. So a guarantee would imply that your funds up until $250,000 are insured by the government. Um, and we don't have this guarantee. And that's why we say we're targeting a 3% return. So in saying that, we have constructed the portfolio to have an average bond rating of A. And as we discussed before, this is investment grade. And never in Australian history has an A-rated bond uh, investment grade bonds, sorry, gone into default. So we have full confidence in the underlying portfolio, um, but we don't have the government guarantee, so we can't guarantee the 3%. 
So we talk about investing in the stock market and we talk about sort of needing quite a decent time horizon when doing so, because if you do need that money in the short term, it can be quite a risky alternative. I know that I have friends who don't really feel comfortable investing at the moment because for them, purchasing property is quite like it's a goal for them that's quite in the near future. I think that leads really nicely, actually, to a question that has come up from quite a few listeners. So over to the YIJC community for this one. So one thing I've learned from You're in Good Company is it's good to be thinking about your goals and your time horizons when it comes to investing. But one thing that I'm really frustrated about at the moment is that I'm probably hoping to buy a property in the next couple of years. And so I don't really feel comfortable investing those savings that I'm going to need. But then I've also learned that because of inflation, the money in my savings account is doing pretty much nothing. So I was wondering, is investing in bonds a potentially lower risk alternative that I could look into? What's been very interesting about learning about our general or average Blossom customer is that we actually are seeing people do exactly what you just described, where they understand that they're earning near zero interest rates in the bank and they want to try and find other ways to target higher returns. And so we are seeing people come to Blossom with their entire home deposit and use it as a way to help them reach some of their longer term financial goals, like a property or like a car, whatever that looks like for you. So I definitely think that fixed income is an interesting um, asset class to consider when you are saving up for something like a property. I think a lot of people would be happy to hear that. (laughs) Before we ask our final question that we ask each guest, uh, if anyone wants to find out more about yourself or Blossom or your journey thus far, is there any way they could head or contact you or get in touch? Absolutely. You can send me an email to gabby at blossomapp.com or reach out on LinkedIn. And if you want more information on Blossom itself, then please head to our website, which is blossomapp.com. Nice. Well, that leads us very nicely into our final question. Gab, if you could give a piece of investment advice to your younger self, what would it be? I would tell my younger self that you don't have to be brave with investing and picking a stock and watching it completely plummet scares the living daylights out of me, which I know. And like crypto is not something that I understand and not ever somewhere that I would want to put my money. So I think I would encourage myself to voice that to someone like my dad or a financial advisor to discuss what my options are. And I wish I understood that earlier because And I wish I also understood that there were these vessels called funds and you can invest in them and choose the exact risk that you'd like to take and have someone manage almost everything for you. And knowing that I only need to make the very high level decisions on what the underlying investment I want is, what the ESG focus is, um, what the rates are. And I think that that's just perfect for me and that I don't need to feel pressure to go all in on afterpay. (laughs) (laughs) even though maybe that would have been a good decision (laughs) i think the most common thing that people say in this investment advice is that they wish they knew earlier which is also what you said because starting now is better than starting at any other time so yes all all within a common theme Mm -hmm. gab thanks so much for coming on and chatting with us today it was very insightful and i feel like you even explained bonds fixed income everything else for maddie and myself We're very very much novices. So thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Great to be here. Thank you so much, Gab. It's been a lot of fun. That was such a great chat with Gab. It's actually funny. Like my first impressions, I think back to like my first impressions of Bonds and I just... 
I don't even know what I thought they were. <laughs> no words. Like little chain. Like I thought they were like little links in the stock market. I have no idea what I thought they were, but they're just loans. Like it's so. Yeah. Oh, I don't know why it was so complicated. <laughs> I know it does seem quite convoluted, but I thought Gab did a very great job of explaining that very nice and simply. Love anything that involves the Matildas too. So all about that. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. As always, please screenshot where you're listening and post it on your social media. We would love to see where you're listening or even just reach out to us in our DMs. We love chatting with you guys as well. Our Instagram is YIGC podcast. We would also love if you could go onto your favorite podcast platform and leave a comment. Um, what's it called? A review. A review. Leave a review. <laughs> a comment. <laughs> we really love reading those. They're really heartwarming and we really appreciate all your kind words and of course they help other people to find the podcast too so would love if you could do that join our facebook community at yigc investing podcast discussion group great chats going on in there very exciting so definitely would recommend being a part of that is there anything else we will (laughs) you'll hear from us next week See you then. Bye. You're in good company is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of You're in Good Company are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Your In Good Company acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people together. 
This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.